Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You don't think that it's time that somebody cared enough to have a dream? Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women, and I am a woman. At some point, you got to decide for yourself who you are. Can't let nobody make that decision for you. How do you go about getting an exorcism? I beg your pardon? Hi, this is Mark Kermode. Thanks for downloading this Kermode on Film podcast. This week's episode is the second half of the most recent MK3D show, recorded live at the BFI South Bank in London. In a while, you'll hear from West Side Story star Rachel Zegler, who arrived hot foot from the set of Snow White. But before that, it's Monica Dolan, who you can see in cinemas in the current release Cyrano, and on DVD and Blu-ray in the brilliant Days of the Bagnall Summer. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a front row seat at MK3D. Okay, so um, our next guest has the most fantastic CV. Her extensive credits include uh, TV shows like Call the Midwife, W1A, Very English Scandal. She won a BAFTA for playing Rose West in Appropriate Adult. 2019, an Olivier uh, for the stage production of All About Eve. She's been great in movies like uh, The Falling, Days of the Bagnell Summer. She, she's currently co-starring in, the, uh, uh, in Cyrano, which is in cinemas now, which is up for outstanding uh, British film uh, at the BAFTAs. Here is a quick clip from Cyrano. He's here. Now, don't be rude to him. I'm not rude. I am enigmatically distant and fashionably late. Where are my shoes? If you anger him, he'll ruin us. Marry the Duke and you'll be rich. A clever marriage is your only option. I have no intention of marrying anyone. Believe me, spinsterhood is bleak. And love, does that mean nothing to you? It might smell rosy for a year or two, but love doesn't last. What lasts is compromise and sacrifice. Children need love, adults need money. Children need love, adults need money. Please welcome Monica Dolan. Hello, I'm so thrilled to have you here in person because you came on the show during lockdown when, when we were doing it virtually and we had one of those Zoom calls because this was when Days of the Bagnell Summer had just come out yeah. and I don't know whether you were in the same place as I was at that point but I was getting to hate Zoom. I like the, I I, like the thing but it's just the, the, the jitty and all I the know. Well, I'm, I'm Luckily someone else has done the background tonight so I don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> Did you yeah. used to worry about that? Did you used to worry about what's behind you? I think Zoom? I put a load of flowers behind me the, um, when I was doing the Zoom with you, yeah. But I, I, I really do remember you saying that how much you wanted to get back in the cinema and yeah. that, you know, you didn't mind who threw popcorn at you or who was talking in the cinema or all the things that we usually hate. I, I just remember you saying that you'd, you'd just give anything to be back in there and sort of experiencing the film in, in a really 
kind of proactive way. It was yeah. weird because I think it was one of the experiences that made me uh, slightly more open. I mean, I'm fantastically close-minded usually, but slightly more open-minded because I had developed almost this paranoia about going to the cinema because people would be on their phones, they'd be doing popcorn, they'd be coming in, they'd be going out, all that sort of stuff. And by the end of it, I don't care. I don't <laughs> care if, you know, if everyone's up and, you know, doing the full Rocky Horror all the time. I just... I just wanted to be in the cinema with other yeah. people. And I remember during one of the lulls in lockdown, that film came out which starred Russell Crowe as a crazy guy in a car. I was so pleased to be in the cinema watching Russell Crowe shouting at people from a car. And I don't particularly like cars or Russell Crowe, but it was just like, I don't care, it's big and loud. So, yeah. Cyrano is in cinemas now yes. and a BAFTA nomination. How was that to make? How was the experience of oh, it? Oh, well, it, uh, it was really, really... Well, it was really touch and go, and it was uh, very extraordinary. I mean, I remember, my, I remember my agent ringing up and saying, Joe Wright wants to see you about this musical. I was like, really? Um, uh, Cyrano, and it was filming in Notto in Sicily. And, I mean, in terms of the pandemic, everything that you know, we'd sort of experienced, we'd seen happen in Italy first. And Italy was sort of opening up and it was like, well, is it really opening up? And it was, it was, it was very emotional sort of deciding whether to do it or not. And very, um, I mean, you know, talking to Joe on the Zoom, it, it, most of what he was talking about was about, um, you know, it's about love and, about, and about, just, just trying to create something during the, the pandemic really that they really believed in and he'd seen um you know before everything happened he'd seen uh Hayley and peter in erica schmidt's play yeah and um we i mean filming it was absolutely incredible it was a, it was a wonderful thing to do at that time i was very lucky because throughout the second lockdown i was in notto in sicily um and you know there was curfew there and everything later on as it went on but we were doing night shoots so um we were sort of doing the opposite to the curfew and you know we were allowed we were allowed to go to the night shoots obviously we had special dispensation and um all of notto it's a beautiful baroque city uh the the mayor allowed us to use all of the locations there um you know people have their weddings it's, it's just the most sumptuous beautiful place and um, so to be there, just making films with people yeah, who, yeah. I mean, breakfast was kind of weird because you'd, be you'd be outside in the hotel and everyone's sort of at different tables. And um, at one table, you'd have the camera operator of Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, just, just all of these films and all of these uh, stories being talked about every morning. Um, and we were, yeah, we were kind of bubbled in this city um, so my part of it was in Notto, and then the, the, the last part of it, of the filming, moved on to Etna. And um, I remember everyone saying, oh no, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Somebody uh, sent one of the actors a little video, where one of the locations people, and it was really, really badly snowing. It was a little video of just people digging in the snow, and we just thought, no, they're not going to do that. But they did. <laughs> so uh, yeah, went, went to film in Etna after that. Can we, Nick, have we got the trailer? Yeah. Okay, just because this clip we just showed is kind of indoors, and you're talking a little bit about the series, so let's show the trailer because it should, gives you a little bit more of the flavour yes. of the film. Okay, so. He's here. Cyrano? Cyrano. Cyrano. 
Pleasure to meet you, Cyrano de Bergerac. You're a freak. Freak. My dearest friend, I'd be very angry with you if you died. I need something to die for. Write poems and cry for. And I won't be ashamed. My sole purpose on this earth is to love Roxanne. Does she know? The world will never accept someone like me and a tall, beautiful woman. We have no money. A clever marriage is your only option. I won't be rescued. I'm not in distress. Love, does that mean nothing to you? Children need love. Adults need money. I have a confession to make. To me? I am madly in love. Perhaps he feels the same. But I've never actually spoken to him. Of your love? Of anything. <laughs> he is Christian. Christian Newbelette. He's a new recruit in your regiment. Be his friend. I might not like him. A woman like Roxanne wants wit. I don't know how to speak romantically. I am a poet. My words upon your lips. I will make you romantic while you make me handsome. She loves me! I give for someone to say all the Now, I want, I want it to be the case that Peter Dinklage is fabulous in person, is he? Yes, he is. He really is, yeah. He's great. Um, he does this incredible thing at the, at the beginning, all of, all of the um, theatre scene that you saw there. Uh, that was an open-air theatre that was built. And um, he, he sort of comes down on a rope and lands on the stage and... Um, uh, uh, defies the, the main actor there. It's like a rap battle. Yes, it is, it is. Um, because, uh, you know, Cyrano's great, great gift is language. And, um, yeah, he, it, was a, it was a really good group of people, actually, yeah. I talked to you before about Days of the Bagnell Summer, which yeah. had, oh, it had an online release because of COVID. Mm. It's now coming out on Blu-ray, and it's a, an adaptation of a graphic novel. And I just loved it. And I want to show a clip from Days of the Bagnell Summer because I know it was a project that was very close to you. Mm. Do you want to just say a few words to set up what the story is and what the relationship between the mother and son that we're going to see is? Yes. I mean, it was, it, it, it was kind of incredible that it, it came out when it did. And, you know, every, everything was sort of online because um, it's basically about a mother and a son and he's supposed to be going away to Florida to his dad's for the summer. And um, then, for a number of reasons, he, he doesn't go. Basically, the dad doesn't want him to go, really. Because the dad's an arse. Yes. And um, so he's stuck with his mum. And his mum's really used to being, him being a child and sort of in love with him being a child. And he wants to change and um, is very embarrassed being around his mum. And so much of it is, is about um, two people being thrown together who don't want to be together. And I think one of the lovely things about it coming out when it did was that that was happening to quite a lot of people. <laughs> um, uh, but then, you know, by the end of the film there, I think she sort of realized that he, he has to go through his angry stage and everything. And, um, you know, that they've, that they've got something out of having been thrown together. And I was lucky enough to see it at the cinema 
um, and do a couple of Q and A's before yeah. uh, before it was released online. So I'm really glad I got the chance to do that. Okay, so we're going to show this clip. I absolutely love this clip, and as you said, if you've if anybody had the experience during lockdown of being a parent in the house with uh, <laughs> with, with younger members of the family who weren't perhaps pulling their weight, this may well strike a chord. Any luck today, love? No. Where did you ask? Everywhere. Did you try the news agent? I said I tried everywhere. Were you wearing that T-shirt? Why? Uh, perhaps it doesn't make a great first impression. You told me to do my CV and I did. You told me to hand it around town and I did. Why are you still having a go at me? I'm not having a go. I'm just wondering whether you might have a better chance if you wore something that isn't quite so gruesome. That's discrimination. It isn't discrimination, Daniel. It's just common sense. If someone comes into your shop wearing a T-shirt with a man being electrocuted on it, you might wonder... It's discrimination to judge someone based on their beliefs. Music is my religion. You're being facetious. I'm trying to help. Saying I look gruesome. I didn't say you looked gruesome. I said your teeth. You know what? I'm too tired for this. Go to bed then. I will. Pizza's in the freezer. I'm not hungry. Well, there's a first time for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that way he plays that because his angle of his face just doesn't move at all. <laughs> I think Simon just must have told him to stare at the same spot. There's another scene in which he sits at the kitchen table and you're doing stuff behind him oh, and they speed right. it up. Yeah, and so basically what happens is he just sits there at the kitchen table just doing nothing and you run around doing all the housework and it's in sort of really, really... So it must have taken like 20 minutes to film in which yeah. what he does is sit there and do nothing. To be fair, I think it was probably harder for him to film that than, than me because I was sort of moving around doing things and he was looking at his phone and he had to keep his phone really, really still because if he, if he moved it even <laughs> slightly, it would kind of join in with the time-lapse thing and and make it look like he was moving really quickly. So. Was, it, was it a fun film to make? Yeah, I really loved making that film. Um, I think because, it, well, it was quite an intense film, actually, for, for Earl and I to make. Um, and then I think one day I, I, um, I looked through the camera and just the, just the framing of it was really witty. And I thought, oh, we're in, we're in that kind of a film. Because... Um, well, you mean you hadn't realised that before? Well, no. I, I knew that I knew that it was a humorous film, but you've kind of got to forget that when you're in it because every everything for you has to be very very high stakes in in terms of the relationship. Right. It can only really be funny between us if it's if we're exasperated and and hurt, you know. But but the way the just the way that he frames it is is so witty. And I remember one scene as well where um, the, there was a there was a scene where I'm, I was sat with Rob Brydon and we were having a date because um, because. Um, Sue starts going out with Daniel's history teacher. Um, so they're having their date in the restaurant and there was this whole bit where Simon wanted me to film me sort of putting my bag down and then travelling, you know, to the ladies. And I thought, well, they see me in the ladies in a minute. You know, I mean, why is he doing that? But then just when you saw it on the screen, it was so clever because you saw her put the bag down and, sh and the way he shot it... She just looked so small, kind of, on her journey to the ladies and so kind of self-conscious. Yeah. So he really, really knew what film he was making and j just that makes you feel really secure. It was also fascinating that afterwards I read the graphic novel because I didn't know it beforehand. Oh, it's beautiful. And then, yeah, but then you realise that a lot of what he's doing is taking inspiration from the way in which the, the graphic novel is put together because it's such delicate kind of 
line drawings. And yes, it really is. I mean, you can really feel the soul from it. Um, it's very melancholic and yes. it's full of pathos and that kind of bittersweet thing. Definitely. And, and also, um, quite early on in the graphic novel, Sue is, she's really, really thinking about what, what life was like for her as a teenager. And I think part of the problem with their relationship is that something for her stopped as a teenager. So yeah. in a sense, it's a coming of age story for both of them, really, because she's, she's had this time as a teenager and she thought, well, it wasn't happy. And, you know, she's sort of letting go of a lot, really, actually, through getting to know what Daniel's going through. Can I ask you something about, um, you know, W1A has been so incredibly successful. Yeah. Do, you, do, do you ever get tired of it? Is there any part of you that thinks it became such a huge phenomenon? Do you know what? The thing that I love most about it is a little bit selfish. Go ahead. Because whenever I go into the BBC, I'm not at all nervous. It just feels like a bit of a joke. Because <laughs> um, it... It, it just, it feels sort of like a set or... Oh, oh yeah, because it's literally all <laughs> shot in the BBC. Um, no, I, I don't, it, it was funny filming it. I mean, because the first time we were, the first series we were in there, like no, everyone just thought we were sort of bods working in the BBC. Yeah. So I, I remember coming, I remember coming out of our costume room, which was sort of an office in the BBC, um, and... Um, uh, just, just walking up the corridor to to, um, uh, to look at the mirror in the mirror to see about the costume, and then there was a label hanging out, and I had one uh, one of the office ladies run up to me and go, "There's a label hanging out of your, of the, because they they just thought that I was someone that worked there." And in the second series, like people were coming up to you, kind of saying, "Oh, we, you know, we quite like it," or or we couldn't shoot because people had their iPhones and they were taking photographs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then by the third series. I think I remember being in a lift with someone, um, or Hugh Skinner was in a lift with someone who just said, how much longer are you going to be here, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd sort of had enough, but it, I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, the first, uh, you'd shoot for five weeks, and the first three weeks of the shoot would always be all of you just round that table, yeah. trying to... Um, I mean, people say, oh, does it make you laugh doing those lines around that table? It's like, no, it's terrifying. You're, you're so scared that you're going to be the person who drops the ball. Or, right, OK. Or you're so excited when you've got one of your lines out and then you think, oh, God, it's me again, you know. Um, so, yeah, for, first three weeks were very intense always around the table and then we'd go into the BBC and be filming a bit more exciting the, bits. The thing that I heard most about it was, and, and I've talked to loads of people in the BBC, but I said, do you see W1A? He said, yeah, do you think it's funny? He goes, it's a documentary. It's <laughs> yeah, not, you know, because all that stuff about, you know, the thing about the meeting rooms that are called Alan Wicker, and you do have, the, I'll meet you in Alan Wicker at 2.35. It, it's, it's a real thing, and, and head of better. And then into it. No, exactly. <laughs> but it was, I thought there was just something so strange about only the BBC would make that programme about itself. Because yeah. it's, it's incredibly lacerating. Well, I hope it's done, uh, you know, I mean, I hope it's helped in a way. I have, I have actually heard of people saying, oh, this meeting is a bit W1A, or, or this memo is, is, I got this memo, but it's a bit W1A. So, yeah, yeah. Hope, you know, hopefully it's... Um... Simon Mayer and I had an experience. So there was, we were on the phone to some guy. At the, he was doing a thing about how our programme was doing. And he went, well, on this one, they're not very good. Well, on this, very good. But on this one, you get 30. And we went, great, out of what? And he went... Well, every other one else has got 26 and 27, but you've got 30. And we went, yeah, but out of what? And he went, 
Well, no, no, it's not. It's not out of anything. It's, you've got thirty, which is which is better than twenty-seven. He didn't have a clue. It's, it's, and I'm the director of Better. Exactly. Yeah. Was that? And he had a thing with that. Was it? So that just became a standing joke. How are we doing? Well, we've got thirty. We have no, to this day. I don't know thirty cockroaches. I have no idea what but the thirty you did was. Better than but the we did better That's than the other right. people, which was great. I want to. Um, I want to show a clip from Falling, and then I want to ask you about two movies which, um, which you've chosen, one which is an inspiration, one which is a very guilty pleasure, yes. which you absolutely love. This is a clip from... I, I love The Falling. I'm just going to show this for no reason other than that I love The Falling and I love you in this, uh, in this film. So, here we go. We are grieved and shocked to announce the death of Abigail Mortimer. Abigail, Abby was a girl of, of rare charm, uh, most lively, a talented and popular pupil who had a promising future ahead of her. Teachers have praised her performance as a committed pupil who was energetic and dependable. Her passing is a true loss to us all. She will be remembered as a loyal friend who enjoyed art and reading poetry and as the founder of the Alternative School Orchestra. Abby's life was full and happy and we shall remember her with respect and affection. As a memorial, it has been decided to establish the Abigail Mortimer Fifth Form Poetry Prize. Miss Fanshawe will now lead assembly in non-denominational prayer. <clears throat> Let us take a minute to remember Abigail in silence. It's, it's, it's such a great film, and how brilliant to work with Carol Morley, who I think is I just such. I worked with her again as well. Oh, what have you done? I, um, so I've just been filming in Leeds um, on. Um, she's. Uh, got an award from the uh, Wellcome Trust and uh, made a film about an artist called Audrey Amos. Um, and it's called, at the moment, it's called Typist Artist Pirate King. Okay. But yeah, that's with Kelly MacDonald and um, it's and a road movie. Fantastic. Yes, when, yeah. will, when will we see that? Um, I'm not sure. Okay, when it's finished. Okay. Yeah, they're editing at the moment. It's, it's really weird actually, because, you know, we're kind of friends as well and it's, it's very weird sort of seeing a a director while they're editing you because it's as if they sort of know a secret that you don't. So, strange. Yeah. I have no idea because no one's ever edited me. So. so, look, I asked you to choose two movies. The first one was, you, I said, a movie that changed your life. And you chose a, cu a couple. And I went for this one particularly because I remember seeing this at the Phoenix East Finchley, then the Rex, when I was eight or nine years old. It was a half term. They were showing Ealing double bills all week. And this was the one that stayed with me. Man in the White Suit, why, why is it important to you? Well, not to get too heavy about it, but I, I suppose all of those Ealing comedies, they make a situation really whole. And um, it's so thoroughly explored, um, the, the whole situation, and um, human nature is so thoroughly explored, but in a witty way, in a gentle way. And um, I mean, I remember, I remember researching a play and going to Google and seeing the ethics person there and um, 
her sort of saying, oh, you know, it'll be great because once we have AI, like, no one will have to do anything. And they went, and I said, well, what, you know, but what's everyone going to do there? Well, no one will have to work. And it's, it's like, yeah, but what's, what's everyone going to do? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a question, it, you know, it's, it's, it's something that never goes away, that if there are, um, if there are inventions and just that caution has to be an aspect of science all the time, I suppose. I mean, in, in you know, more serious ways as well. But I think that this explores it really beautifully. And I love Alec Guinness's performance. Yeah, he's and he's so, you know, we all love an idealist, but the moment, which I think we might see, where just he realizes that his, how his idea might be affecting everyone. And just, just the way his face is so readable, I love it. Let's have a look. Here, don't you know there's a strike on? Now listen, there'll only be trouble if you stay here. It's the stability. It isn't stable. Mrs. Watson, have you got something? My suit. They can see me. Why can't you scientists leave things alone? What about my bit of washing when there's no washing to do? Now, you see, that's a very smart choice because it's such a great movie and it still looks brilliant. And then we move to your guilty pleasure, which I have to say is really properly guilty. <laughs> your guilty pleasure is... Do I have to say it? Yes. <laughs> the holiday. <laughs> which everyone loves, apparently. Okay, so why do you love the holiday? Because it's terrible. <laughs> it's not. It is. Do you, I, okay. Well, no, any time, any time, any time I flick channels and it's on television. Yeah. Like same with Sense and Sensibility, actually, but yeah. but I won't put the focus on that. Okay. Um, any time it's on television, I I can't stop watching it. Um, it's. I just, it's, I think it's the way that that the two women go into different. In I'm trying to intellectualise it. Up. Um, the way that they go into different environments and that their environments change them and that the people they meet change them and, you know, it's vacating your life and escaping from your life and and finding something different for your life when you go back. And here's the thing. It's just good fun. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. Every now and then, well, quite often. I just get things completely wrong. I've had so many people tell me how much they love this film that I think maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I just need to go back and watch it again. I think that would be good. Okay. I think you should. should we, we'll show a clip, and this is the chi a clip that you chose that you, you particularly love, and I will make you a promise, okay? okay? I will go and watch this again, okay? Oh, and I will do so with as close to an open mind as I am <laughs> capable of. Okay. Okay? All right, let's have a look. I learned everything. Best job I ever had. Wait, wait, wait. That was your first job in Hollywood? Louis B. Mayer's office boy? Actually, my first job was as a Western Union messenger. That's how I met Mayer. I delivered a telegram to his office at MGM. When I walked in, all the girls in the office were in a tizzy. Their office boy didn't show up. I volunteered for the job. The next day, I was on the payroll. I was 17 years old. Wow. 
So was Hollywood really as great back then as I imagine? It was better. You know what I've been asking myself all night? What? Why I'm bothering you with all these questions? I'm wondering why a, a beautiful girl like you would go to a stranger's house for her Christmas vacation and on top of that spend Saturday night with an old cocker like me. Well, I, I just wanted to get away from the people I see all the time. Well, not all the people. One person. I wanted to get away from one guy. Her next boyfriend, who just got engaged and forgot to tell me. Sorry. So he's a schmuck? As a matter of fact, he is a huge schmuck. How did you know? He lets you go. This is not a hard one to figure out. Iris, in the movies we have leading ladies and we have the best friend. You, I, I can tell, are leading lady. But for some reason, you're behaving like the best friend. You're so right. You're supposed to be the leading lady of your own life, for God's sake. Arthur, I've been going to a therapist for three years. And she's never explained anything to me that well. That was brilliant. Brutal, but brilliant. Thank you. I was looking at that clip and I looked across at you and you were beaming up at it and as a result of that I'm going to go I am going to go back and watch it and I, I promise you I'm going to do, do so open-mindedly and if I like it I'm going to get you back on the show and I'm going to apologise to you <laughs> in public you don't need to do that. You just enjoy the film. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been lovely uh, having you. Cyrano is in cinemas now. Uh, Days of the Bagnell Summer is out on Blu-ray on March 28th. Please do check it out. The fabulous Monica Dolan. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much. Thank you so on. much. Thank you. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right. Time for a very quick list of mania. I don't know whether you all saw there was a, a, a sale at Bonhams. Uh, Michael Caine was uh, auctioning off uh, some stuff. Uh, Michael Caine's been a guest on the show here before. Uh, I will point this out because uh, Michael Caine wrote a book in which he said there was only ever f- three film critics that he paid attention to. Uh, Dillis Powell, Pauline Kale, and me. Now, I say that out of pure self-aggrandizement, because I'm going to go to my grave saying I was one of the three critics that Michael Caine actually liked. He asked me if I'd write the introduction to the Bottoms catalogue, which I did. So we're doing a very quick Michael Caine top 10. This is completely, you know, it, you know, it's just how it occurred to me at the time. So at number 10, The Day the Earth Caught Fire. This is a very, very early Michael Caine performance. After he did this scene, Val Guest told him that he was the worst actor he'd ever seen and he would never work again. Take a look. Keep moving, please, down to the embankment. The road's closed. Can I get back on at the other end? Not tonight. This district's out of bounds. For medical reasons? No, there's some teenage kids kicking it up a bit. They lit a few fires, looted a bit of water. Where are you going, sir? Embankment Terrace. OK, let this one through. Thanks. If you see any of them, keep driving. They're either drunk or drunk. Great party. And stay clear of Chelsea. They say it's pretty rough down there. It always was, wasn't it? Okay, number nine, Zulu, which he got like three years, you know, after being told that. So he had auditioned for the Cockney Private. Then he turned up, turned out they'd uh, they already cast it. And Cy Enfield said to him, can you do an upper class accent? And he said, look, I've been doing theatre for the last 10 years. I can do anything from the butler to the Lord. And he did. And... Of course, you know, Zulu's an absolute classic. Number eight, Mona Lisa, which I think would make a very interesting double bill with, um, with Last Night in Soho, with Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho, not least because some of the location work in it is so great. And number seven, Hannah and her sisters. He won an Oscar for this. He wasn't able to receive the Oscar because he was in uh, Barbados filming Jaws for The Revenge. <laughs> As he said rather brilliantly, he said it here, he said it before. He said, I haven't seen the film, I hear it's horrible. I have seen the house it paid for, it's really nice. (laughs) And number six, Alfie, which he got shortly after Joseph E. Levine, the producer, told him, people in Hollywood tell me that you look effeminate and you will never make a leading man. And number five, the Italian job, containing possibly his most famous line of all time, which is... Very good. How many actors could you do that with, seriously? Uh, Number four, Muppet Christmas Carol. Nick, Nick. (laughs) Have you fallen asleep? Thank you. (laughs) Possibly the greatest version of the Dickens ever told. Number three, California Sweet, which I just love to pieces. Is this just me? Does anybody else love this? They will pity you for your hump. Number two, Educating Rita, because I think it's a film which gets forgotten about and I think is really, really lovely and funny. And at number one, featuring what probably is his most quotable line of all time, Get Carter, roll the clip. Good evening. Sandra! Sandra, will you off this bloody... The front door is open. Who are you? 
I'm an old friend of Cliff's. I want to see him. It's urgent. What's it about? Business. Well, I know all about Cliff's business. Yeah, well, tell him the Fletcher's sent me. It's two o'clock in the bloody morning. I know. Well? The wife says that the Fletcher sent you. What's so bloody important he couldn't wait until the morning? <laughs> Listen, I'm not in the mood for playing silly buggers. I made a mistake. What? I made a mistake. What about? Never mind. It's not business. See you. Listen, I don't like it when some tough nut comes pushing his way in and out of my house in the middle of the night. Bloody well tell me who sent you. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. Now behave yourself. Good night, Mrs. Bramby. The genius, the genius of the great Sir Michael Caine. Okay, so, uh, award season is upon us. Uh, West Side Story is up for best picture at the Oscars. Here is the trailer for Spielberg's West Side Story. My first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life, a home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him as long as you're in my house. I'm a grown-up now, Bernardo. I'm gonna think for myself. Tony, we need you if we're going to war. Who are you? Friend or foe? If you go with him, no one will ever forgive you. And I say this in the sincere hope that she's in the room. Please welcome to the stage the star of West Side Story, Rachel Zegler. Rachel, are you here? Yeah! I'm so pleased to see you. Oh my I can't God, well, I'm so you. glad I made it. Today has yeah. been today has been the day that the universe laughed at me, like like multiple times, where I said, "Yeah, I can do that." Very last minute, it was like, "Yeah, no, I can do it." I was on set of Snow White, 
And I was, you know, they're trying all these different costumes, lighting, everything like that. And uh, and then I got stuck in an hour of traffic in Acton. Yeah, welcome to London. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I feel like the universe is trying to tell me something, but we made it, we're here. And I just narcissistically cried at my own trailer. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. Oh, it was wow. nice. Okay, so, so does it, does it still move you to watch it? Oh, it's so fucking weird. <laughs> I mean, I, I, and uh, my friend Hazel just leaned over at me and was like, does it ever get normal? No, it does. I've seen the movie 10 times, which is sadistic, wow. by the way. Sadistic. Don't do that to yourself. If you're ever in a film, don't watch it 10 times. You will hate yourself by the ninth. But maybe the fifth. But like, I mean, it doesn't, it's the most bizarre. Even this is bizarre. My face is huge. <laughs> so weird. So, um, it, look, I know this this story is well rehearsed, but it's it's worth telling again because it's so it's so <laughs> remarkable. Tell me how you got cast for the lead role in <laughs> Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Yeah, it's bizarre. It doesn't sound right. Um, I was uh, I was 16 years old. I got a text message from one of my friends that said, thank me when you're famous. And she had linked a tweet from Cindy Tolan, who was our casting director, who had tweeted out that they were looking for the four leads in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And I had just played the role on stage. And so I figured, you know, I had a, an okay chance at at least giving a good audition. And I uh, sat down and I filmed myself and I did it two weeks later, I heard back, which I did not, I never thought would happen. I said to my mom when I sent it in, it's not like anyone's ever gonna see it. Like, Chill, mom, it's fine. And then, uh, and then everybody saw it. And, uh, and I ended up auditioning for a year. I met with-, with Auditioned for a year? A year, yeah. It was about two weeks shy of 365 days. So I auditioned wow. in January and I got the part the next January. Um, and I gave up hope so many times and I really, really didn't think it was happening for me because I was in the middle of uh, my junior and senior year of high school. I really, I was applying to colleges, trying to audition for different musical theater programs and thought there's just no way in hell that this crazy Hail Mary chance is going to actually come to fruition and then it did. <laughs> and, okay, so if you put that in a movie, yeah. nobody would believe nobody it. Nobody would believe me. So how... Common is that for this to happen? I mean, I've been working Probably in this. Probably not common at all. I don't know. <laughs> it's one in thirty thousand. I was thirty one of thirty thousand applicants you, for the part. When you said because the audition lasted a year, mm -hmm. do you know who the other people? There must have been other people in the. Film. I I only met one other person who was known as an actor, and then uh, another unknown actress from Costa Rica. And, uh, and they, they were both, you know, we, the, the one who was more known was a bit more like about it. And I, <laughs> and the girl from Costa Rica and I were like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and we were a bit more, uh, more pinch, pinch me, I'm dreaming about it. Because it was just, I mean, what are, truly what are the odds that we would be in the same room with Steven Spielberg ever? And now he's my emergency contact. <laughs> and, and and what was it like on set? Because I mean, it's uh, you know he's, I've I've interviewed him a few times, yeah. and he's always been very nice. But of course, I you know, know he's the most generous man. It, it it's all genuine. That that kindness is very genuine. And even even the moments where things get tense, and he you know by by some chance he gets annoyed or, or he comes and apologizes immediately and you're like were you were you mad I couldn't tell it was just this like you know when he wants a setup to move faster because working in film it's very stop and go and it, there's a lot of waiting um, and it was he was very much like whenever he would get even the slightest bit annoyed would be like I'm sorry I raised my voice today and it's like did you 
<laughs> Did you? I was learning lines and all of this stuff. But that, that's who he is. And was there, I mean, when watching the film, it feels like there was a real sense of community, like it was a theatrical production, like everybody is working as an ensemble. Yeah. Did it feel like that on set? For the most part, yeah. I mean, we were together for a very long time. How we long were, did you shoot for? I think we rehearsed for three to four months and then shot for three to four months. Okay. So a lot of us were there between six and eight months, depending on where you, where you fell in the, in the cast, where like the Jets ensemble had been workshopping that choreography with Justin Peck for months before we ever started. So a lot of us were there six to eight months out of the year. So it was crazy. And what kind of direction does Spielberg give? I mean, you know, you've said he's generous and nice, which yeah. absolutely, but how, how does he direct? He's very detail-oriented. And uh, a lot of people will say that he's not because they want to take credit for their own performances. <laughs> but I, 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 I gave that up a long time ago. He is detail-oriented, where if you make the single expression that he doesn't like, he will tell you. Oh, right, okay. You know, if you raise your eyebrow a certain way, he'll be like, don't do that. It's unattractive. <laughs> you know? It's one of those that were, and there's a, there's a scene where I put on lipstick as a sign of rebellion from my brother, and, uh, and Chino is watching behind me, he's freaking the fuck out because he's like, oh my God, Bernardo would hate it if you were putting lipstick on. And I, I did this thing that anyone who's ever worn lipstick in this room can tell me that we put lipstick on and then we go, right? Okay? He hated that I did that. <laughs> I did it and I went, and he was like, don't do that, it's unattractive, you make an unattractive face when you do that, we need to, <laughs> you need to redo it. And uh, Mitch Dubin, who was operating our camera, was very patient with me because it was very hard to not do it. Muscle memory is very hard to forget. But that's the kind of director he is. Can I show a clip of, uh, of one of the songs? Because it's, are you okay? Because sure. Because like really, really close to it, okay? Sure. Okay, here we go. It's, it's fine, it all went really well. Okay. okay. <laughs> I've heard, I've heard it's good. Yeah. <laughs> Just a world, there's a star tonight. <laughs> Thank you. How weird is it to be in the middle of awards seasons, you know, with it's up for best picture and all that stuff? How, how does that feel? Oh, incredible sense of pride in when something that you worked really hard on is recognized in such a way. Honestly, I mean, you know, I just kind of feel it's very uh, low pressure for me. I just kind of get to sit back and watch because I'm not nominated for anything big, so I'm you just kind of like... You won the Golden Globe. You I were, did! <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong. You were From the, my dining room. <laughs> yeah. But you were the youngest person ever to win that award. Is that right? In that, in that category. In that category, yeah, yeah. To, to win that award. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think first Latina to win in that category, too. Congratulations. <laughs> 
happened that they were taking place the night that they were happening because you know obviously it took place in a weird way this year um and so i was just journaling getting ready to move i moved here i think the next day i moved to london the, to next, shoot. the next night to shoot snow white and um and uh i was just sitting at my dining room table journaling and musing and whatever and all of a sudden my phone started blowing up and i was like oh god what happened and my agent was like you just won <laughs> the golden globe i was like oh <laughs> What do I do? <laughs> so are you yeah. going to the Oscars? I don't have, I'm not invited. But you're the star of the film and it's up for best picture. Talk to Oscar, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I'm not invited because I've been working really hard to get the time off from here so that we could be all COVID safe on the set of oh, Snow of course, White yeah. and make sure that we have like a, a good window in between with traveling and everything. I'm not invited to the Oscars as of right now, so. Okay. You know. You could ring Stephen. I'm sure he could swing it. Oh, God, I, I, I would hate to do it. I just, I know that they're, they're limiting their audience size for COVID protocols and everything. Sure. But, you know, I wasn't, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nominated. I'm not presenting. I'm not anything like that. So I'm not invited. You're the star of the film. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Which, incidentally, has done fantastically well for you. Because since then, so there's now Snow White and Sh Shazam. I did make Shazam. Nobody so, ever mentions Shazam. It's I like, just did. I'm it's, sorry. It's, you know, yeah. So tell me about making Shazam. The, well, the thing is, I can't tell you anything about Shazam. That's why nobody mentions it. Because you can't talk about it. Everything that I work on is Fight Club, though. We can't talk about anything that I work on. This was like working on a fucking Marvel movie. It was like, we don't talk about West Side Story. <laughs> If somebody asks if a song is cut from West Side Story, you just smile and nod. That's it. Wow. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it was like the craziest media training ever. Don't give anything away. I'm like, well, you know, it's based on a play that's hundreds of years old. I think people can put two and two together about what happens to these two. But like, it's just, you know, so now working on Shazam was like very much the same way. I worked so hard to keep my character a secret and Helen Mirren is the one who told everyone. Oh, she's an absolute blabbermouth. She's just, I oh, she's know. But I was like, if it's going to be anyone, let it be Helen. She's, she won't get in trouble. But like, I kept, I kept that shit a secret for so long. And then wow. she just went out. She was like, so we're Greek goddesses and we're sisters and it's wonderful. And I was like, all of, I, months, months with tape on my face. My favorite of all of those was Simon Mayo, who's uh, somebody I do a radio program with here. Yeah. And um, he, uh, we were interviewing Christian Bale. And uh, we said, um, so, you know, are you in the new Batman? And he said, I'm not saying anything. He said, well, you know, are you in the new Batman? He said, look, I, I can't say anything. I've signed something. So, so you are in the new Batman. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, just, oh, no. Just, we, poor oh, love just no. walked straight I into know. it. I know. We can't all be Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield was, became a master at just hiding whatever was going on. We yeah. can't all be him. I know. He did all, that entire press circuit and kept poor getting guy. asked about Spider-Man. I felt and, so bad because he's actually very brilliant in Eyes of Tammy Faye. And all of the press interviews were just, are you in Spider-Man? <laughs> so I have a question. Why? Are you in Spider-Man? <laughs> it's just these. How do you find the press stuff with it? Because obviously, the, you know, the, the work is doing the singing, doing the acting, doing yeah. the stuff. How do you find all of this stuff? I mean, you seem to be pretty good at it. <laughs> he bought it, guys. <laughs> no, I mean, it's. I mean, it's daunting because you never, you never know how something you say is going to be taken, and so that's like a constant thought in the back of your brain. But. I just kind of consider it a conversation with a friend and I just trust and... Okay, you want to be very careful with that. Of course. Oh, please. <laughs> please, I know. Because I've been in the situations where I'm like, where I've had to be the bad guy and be like, why are you asking me that? I don't know. I have, the, I have a question for you, <laughs> you know? But uh, it's, it's definitely one of those things you have to remind yourself that it's an extension of what you do, that it's not... This is great and it's really wonderful to be on set and making a movie, but someday 
you know, right now I'm, do, I'm doing it right now and, and making Snow White is so much fun and wonderful and I'm a Disney princess and that's crazy. Someday, whenever Snow White ends up coming out with my trajectory, it'll probably be 2034, but <laughs> uh, it, somebody's going to ask me like, oh, what was it like to get all of those horrible comments about how you're not, like you don't look like Snow White. Like, th and that's the thing that's always kind of living in the back of your mind, but it's, it's fun. And, and at some point, you know, to, you said I told the story about how I got the part in West Side Story. When I was doing press junket and sitting in a hotel room for 16 hours and doing 7,000 people are coming in asking the same question, you just start making things up <laughs> to the point where you're, you, have, you have elaborated on this story so much you don't know what's true and what's not. I once interviewed Spike Jones, and he'd done a he'd done a series of interviews, and he was clearly you know phenomenally bored by them, which I understand entirely. <laughs> and he just pretended to be John Landis <laughs> for the entire interview. He oh, just yeah. literally pretended to be another person. That would person. be really fun if we all took the Bob Dylan approach, and it's like you know nothing about me. I think that would be hysterical. I think a lot of us should start doing that because. Because people, people watch these interviews and then they think they know you so well, but in reality you have been elaborating on the same story for the 700th time and now for some reason there's a T-Rex involved and also Spike Lee was there and you're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> so do, you, do people come up to you in the street and stop you and talk to you about the stuff? Do they feel like they, like they know you personally? For sure. I think the thing I've gotten the most is people coming up to me and going, I've just kissed a girl named Maria. And I'm like... <laughs> you just have to be like that video of Celine Dion where she just watches and she's just like, right, thank you, thank you, goodbye. And that's like, but I, I mean, yeah, I do get stopped by people who think they know me, who uh, think they know my boyfriend. It's really funny. It's really weird. People th just think they know everything about your life. Yeah. <laughs> it's really strange. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a couple of What's your favorite movie ever? Inside Lewin Davis, directed by the Coen Brothers. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what an interesting choice. You didn't even have to think. No, I, I, I was sitting here for and I was trying I was like oh my god he's gonna ask me what my favorite movie what, what's the movie that changed my life what's what's my guilty pleasure <laughs> I was going through being trying to yeah, think really so hard. what's the movie that changed your life Roman Holiday oh again good choice and guilty pleasure burlesque <laughs> wow <laughs> it is burlesque and then I feel like 13 going on 30 but I don't think that's that guilty I think 13 going on 30 is a fucking awesome movie yeah let's just <laughs> let's just park that and go back to burlesque burlesque yes <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And oh, no. and you, you no 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 it's fine. Sorry. No, it's, no, just tell me what you like about burlesque. Share. <laughs> no, I, no, and, and 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 Stanley Tucci. My dad looks exactly like Stanley Tucci. Therefore, I will consume any Stanley Tucci content the world wants to give me because it looks just like my father. Stanley Tucci, of course, uh, super handsome and fantastic, fantastic cook. Yes, my dad is. I'm, I'm, I'm so yeah. thinking, okay, so if your dad looks like I'm starting to get the yes, I know we have to finish because there's another thing coming in. I'm so, having it, fun. It's okay, Sophie. <laughs> Sophie, how long, how, practically yeah. before they throw me off, how long? Three? Why fine, okay, fine. <laughs> we'll carry on. So, what, say again? At least fine, five. Great. What was the first film you ever saw? Um, I, the first film I remember seeing, oddly enough, is E.T. Because it emotionally scarred That's me. kind of handy, though, isn't it? It is Stephen, the first film I ever saw was E.T. Was it Stephen? And also one of my favorite movies, the first movie I ever remember like having cr like a critical think session about was Lincoln, which was Stephen and Tony Kushner, who wow. I worked with on West Side Story. Did you, did you absolutely blub your eyes out over, over E.T.? 
Yes, Come I was, and I was terrified. I was terrified. The people in hazmat suits and everything like that. I, I terrified. I was like three or four. We have three minutes, and I'm going to take up thirty seconds of my telling you my ET story. Yes, I met uh, Carlos. <laughs> It's very funny. Carlos Rambaldi, who had made E.T., I was out interviewing him about something else, uh, Alien, and Ooh. the model of E.T. was there, and he, he, was, he was redoing it because they were bringing it out for like a 25th anniversary or something, and Carlos was like, yeah, 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 yeah. and he said, he, I said, it's E.T., and he said, yeah, he's got to be fixed, he's all broken, he's got to be fixed, and I said, and he picked it up, and it was the way he had his finger out of that, and I said, oh, I said, can Do you I want? touch it? I said, can I touch <laughs> it? And he said, yes, and I touched it, and E.T.'s finger fell off. <laughs> That'll score. That'll do it. Absolutely That'll score you. True. That'll score you. So, okay, if you had one ambition for your career, if you could sum it up in, what's the thing you want to do more than anything else? Um, I want to. I really want to play Joan Baez in a biopic. <gasps> I'm just gonna throw it out there. Okay, you do know, are you, you, you may not have been here when we it. did this. Okay, Go so, ahead. so Doug Trumbull directed Silent Running. Doug Trumbull just died. Silent Running is my favorite film. The theme music for Silent Running is sung by Joan Baez. I'm just saying, I, I think I could do it. Okay, if, okay, so now we make a pact, right? Yeah. If you do the Joan Baez story, yeah. you have to do the bit in it when she does the music for Silent okay. Running. Have you got the, the okay. Okay? okay? Okay. You all heard it, right? Yeah. You all heard it. I'm nervous, I'm sweating. No, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I would do it in any capacity. I'm like, I don't even care if I come in for a five minute cameo in a Dylan biopic. <laughs> like, I just want to do it so bad. You, uh, you would be fab. I'm, Thank okay, you. so I am really looking forward to the Joan Baez <laughs> biopic with starring you. I'm so glad that you got here. Thank you so much for Thanks making for the effort across me. the London. No, no, it's just an absolute thrill to have you on the thing. And thank you so much for coming all the way from the set. We haven't got time for Sound and Vision, but there we go. We probably haven't even got time to, to, uh, to individually thank everybody. So I'm going to just say thank you to all my guests. Thanks, everyone. Thank you to... <laughs> thank you to... We'll do this together. Oh, OK. We'll do this together. Yes. Did you ever see Donnie and Marie? Yeah. You know, good luck me and good luck... Uh, you know, good luck... <laughs> no, okay, okay, but so. I'll... I'll, I'll it's like Donnie I'll and Marie. Sing. Okay, so the end of the Donnie and Marie show. Yes. They used to do this thing, which was he used to go, she would go, I'm a little bit country. Remember that? I'm a little bit country. And I'm a little bit rock and roll. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.